I'm going to begin the series Overcomer today, and today I'm going to preach on Kevin the Overcomer. If your name is not Kevin, just put your name in the blank. Jonah the Overcomer. Jimbo the Overcomer. Chris the Overcomer. Whatever your name is, I want you to know today you were created in God to be an overcomer. And the more I study and the more I dive into this subject of overcoming, the longer I think this series is going to be because there's so much about overcoming in the Word of God. And there's so, listen, in the generation that we're living, there is so little expectation of victory. I don't know if y'all feel sometimes what I feel when I watch the news and I listen to the, the, the observations of what's happening in our generation. There's a lot of people with a lot of bad reports. But you know, the Bible is the report I'm going to believe. Anybody else going to believe the report of the Lord? So today we want to jump into this subject and this idea of overcoming and see what God has to say to us about it. Today's really just sort of the foundational message I'm going to preach about you the overcomer, me in Christ, we in Christ the overcomer. And then I'm going to begin to talk about for several weeks the reward of the overcomer. How many know that overcomers are promised rewards in the Bible? Some of you don't know that yet, but that's okay. We're going to jump into it in the next few weeks. But I just want you to begin to experience an elevation uh, of expectation of good things and victory in your life. Because I don't care what the world Kimmy, I didn't know you were here. <laughs> Pastor Kimmy, I'm so sorry. Our pastor from Guatemala is here this morning. Pastor Kimmy, I'm so sorry. Bless you. Help me welcome her. Come on. Amen. Okay, back to the message. That <clears throat> but there's so little expectation that I believe what God wants to do for us and in us in the next few weeks is raise our expectation that we are going to be people of victory who are not going to be overcome by the world, but we are going to come into a revelation that the one living in us is already overcome the world. I said he has already overcome the world. So that's what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. First John chapter 5. First John chapter 5. Verse number four and five. When you got it, say word. Can we put that on the screen? First John four and five. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is he or she who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Let's talk about being an overcomer today. Father, help us today. I pray you would grant me the anointing and the grace to teach and preach, Lord, and let your people jump in this river of grace with me today that they could receive from the Word of God. Lord, we come to this place depending and totally leaning on you, pressing into you because we know that in us, without you, there is no good thing. 
So help us today, Lord. Get the glory as we preach. Let revelation come through the Spirit to our hearts. Hallelujah. And I pray that as revelation comes, that chains would be broken and yokes be destroyed. That mindsets that Satan has planted in our hearts and minds, those lies that bring us into bondage today, oh God, as the truth is revealed, I pray that the enemy's plot would be exposed and that every stronghold come down, taken to the feet of Jesus. We ask it in your name today, Lord, and we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. And everybody that loves him said amen. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. It would be hard for us to understand the significance of the scriptures that I read and this entire issue of overcoming. It would be hard for us to really grasp the fullness of of the idea of being an overcomer without first reminding ourselves who wrote the book that we are reading from today. The Apostle John. It was John who was a young man when Jesus was crucified. You know the story of how he was at the foot of the cross at the Lord's Supper. He was close to Jesus, so close that the text teaches us he laid his head on the chest of Jesus and heard, I believe, the heartbeat of the Savior. It was this John who had intimate encounters in the presence of the Lord that wrote to us about being an overcomer. In fact, the word overcomer in the New Testament occurs some 28 times. And of the 28 times the word overcomer is used, 24 of the 28 times it is used through the writing of the Apostle John. It was a theme, a theme that worked its way through the Gospel of John and then the epistles of John, and then you understand that the same man wrote the revelation of Jesus, the book of Revelation. And from John's gospel, through John's epistles, and all the way through to the end of the book of Revelation, there is a consistent theme and idea in the writing of John about this issue of overcoming. I love the word overcoming. I'm not trying to bore you or go too deep with Greek. But the word overcome in the Greek is the Greek word nikao. Everyone say nikao. Come on, y'all wake up. Say it, nikao. Nikao is where we get the word Nike from. Anybody got a pair of Nikes on today? Come on, elbow your neighbor, say just do it. Nike actually was a Greek goddess. In Greek mythology, she is one of the very few Greek goddesses Nike was who kept her wings and she flew from battlefield to battlefield with her wings, giving victory and crowning those who won the battle with a, with a special crown that was given to those who, who operated and who achieved victory in the battle. I don't want to go into Greek mythology, but I do think it is interesting that when John is writing about you and I overcoming, uh, he, he being surrounded by Greek culture and understanding the significance of Greek mythology in that culture, he wanted to let his readers know that there is an overcomer greater than the Greek God, Nike, who flew around with her wings and crowned people with victory on battlefields. No, there was, there was another kind of overcomer that was on the face of the earth in that day. And it was the person who had put their faith in Jesus 
Christ. Come on in here and understand this today that our method of victory and the warfare by which we fight is a different kind of warfare and a different kind of victory than those who trust in other gods. Can you say amen? So this whole idea of overcoming comes from that Greek word nikao and there are three uh, unique ways this word is used when it is used. Number one, uh, uh, it, it has several different meanings. And the first, when, when a person is said to have operated in Nikao, it was someone who warred with great strength and speed in battle. As I told you, she had wings and was one of the very few gods with wings in the Greek mythology world. So there was something about this word when it was used that described somebody who was strong and somebody who had speed and agility in battle. Not only was it someone that was strong and, and quick in battle, but when the ka'o was used, it was used as one who walked into the battlefield and walked off the same battlefield with the victory, no matter how uh, unlikely the victory looked like it could come. And then finally, there is a third use of this word, nikao. And it is, it is used in a sense of a legal term when a person went into a courtroom and they were in a, a, a case and, and whenever they won the case, they used the word nikao to, to, to describe the victory that they won in the courtroom. And I just want to tell you today that some of you didn't even know it, but you and I both have been drugged into a courtroom and the enemy tried to finish us off and the enemy tried to accuse us and the enemy tried to tell the father that there was nothing good in us but I came today to tell you you're an overcomer because when the enemy tried to frame you and tell God how bad you were he reminded the enemy he already knew it but that the blood had covered it all. Can somebody praise God that in your court case you've already been given the victory so I want to talk briefly today about overcoming and the first thing I want to talk about I'm going to give you three points the first thing I want to talk about is who is an overcomer look at your neighbor and say who is an overcomer if your neighbor don't talk to you I give you permission to gather your belongings and go sit beside somebody friendly hallelujah look at your neighbor one more time tell them who is an overcomer John answers the question in the text we read this morning, whatsoever or whosoever is born of God is an overcomer. Whoever is born of God is an overcomer. The one who is born of God, say born of God. The word born is the word Genao, genao, G-E-N-A-O. It's where we get the word genes from. When the Bible said whoever is born of God, it literally means whoever has God as their daddy. Let me say this without stirring up a fight. My daddy can't whoop your daddy. What the world wants you and I to think is that its daddy 
is somehow the superior being that is floating around planet Earth with power and authority. But John reminds us this morning that when you get born of God, G-E-N-A-O, where we get the word genes from, it's, watch this, when the Bible says you have been regenerated, look at it and say, we have been regened. Okay, so let me say it like this. Let me break this down. Overcomers are not those born into a perfected family with a perfect father. Instead, overcomers are those born into a perfected family with a perfect father. I love it when I freak people out. Rewind. Overcomers are not people who have been born into a perfect family with a perfect father. Overcomers are people who were born into a perfect family with a perfect father. I like it when I say it twice and you get more confused. Your first birth through your mother's womb determined your hair color. Your first birth through your mother's womb determined your skin color, your eye color, your height, and your weight. Your first birth gave you no chance at victory or being an overcomer because the family that you were born to first were themselves marred and messed up. But your new birth... When you got born again, you didn't get born again, again through your mother, but Jesus taught us in John chapter 3 that you came through the Spirit and by the water, and when you were born again, you got regened. What that means is all of the mess that haunted you from your first birth got broken when you got born again. I can't find no help in here today, so I'm going to preach to myself and bless myself. I want to tell somebody, I don't care how jacked up and messed up and screwed up the family tree was that you were born through. It doesn't matter how many went to jail. It doesn't matter how many were incarcerated. It doesn't matter how many drug addicts there were. When you got born again, every curse was broken. Every yoke was destroyed. Every end. Entitlement that the enemy tried to have on your life was broken off. And if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Oh, hallelujah. You got regened. Well, if I got regened, why do I still struggle with the same things? Because there will always be a war on the inside between who you already are and who you used to be. You are not messed up this morning. You are not messed up if you say I'm saved, but I'm still working through some issues. Because, listen, sanctification is the process of you becoming who you already are. And I'm not trying to get saved. How many would agree there are some people who act like there are tears of salvation. Like, like sort of saved. 
And then you move up to kind of saved. And then you move up to real close to saved and then saved. But how many know you can't get more saved than saved? I'm freaking some people out right now. You don't get, you can't get more saved than saved. So if I can't get more saved than saved, why is there still so much stuff in me that's in process? I'll tell you why. God knew when he saved you that he would put a seed in you. And John told us that while you're, when you get born again, that seed gets deposited down on the inside of you. And you might do some stupid stuff, but you will never be completely overtaken by stupid. Come on, we might do some sinful stuff, but we will never be completely overtaken. Y'all better say amen in here. Because to say you have no sin, John would also tell you, he said, if you say you have no sin, you are a liar and the truth is not in you. Well, I don't drink and I don't chew and I don't run with those that do. Let me help you understand something. Sin classification has destroyed more people because what it does is removes us from our dependency upon God and we spend our entire life examining our own life according to our neighbor and as long as we don't look as screwed up as our neighbor does then we think we got our ducks in a row and our act together but I want to tell you right now it doesn't matter whether you're a liar a cusser a drinker it don't matter whether you stole or you or you fornicate it don't really matter what you did sin is sin and it all took the blood and without grace we would all still be lost and on our way to hell Overcomers are not people born through a perfect family with a perfect father. Overcomers are those who are born again to a perfect family with a perfect father. Don't miss this. When you got saved, you got regened. God, I feel that thing on me today. When you got saved, you got regened. On the inside, something came to life. Something Something got broken over your life. I've been preaching a lot about this because I am terribly afraid that there is not enough biblical salvation, salvation happening with all of our numbers for people getting saved that we're turning in. Ain't nobody going to help me right here. But we talk about, oh my God, we had 1,200 saved on Easter. I celebrate 1,200 people getting saved in your church on Easter. Find them next year. See, I know how to quiet everybody down. Find them next year because you can't just do some incognito hidden salvation thing back in your seat on Easter Sunday and never follow God and never pray and never read your Bible and never lay some stuff down. You might have made a confession, but you didn't get converted. True salvation is a change. And John says the one that overcomes is the one born of God. Regened by God. When you get by moving on, but when you get born again, watch, he'll change your affections. You need to take inventory of what you like and desire and chase and pursue. 
Because if it's, listen, if there's anything in your life you are pursuing more than God, you are in need of a reprioritization of life. And let me say this too. You better be careful that what you chase is worth keeping when you find it. Buyer's remorse. <laughs> Some of y'all got marriage remorse. Some of you got job remorse. We go chasing and pursuing a, a certain quality of life and we're trying to keep up with the Joneses and really the Joneses don't even exist. They're not even watching. We spend a lot of our life trying to impress people who don't even care. Listen, you are regimed. You are born not from the earth or through the will of blood and flesh, but you were born according to John's gospel, the first chapter. You were born by the will of God. When you came through the womb of the spirit, how many, how many have some children? How many have some mamas in here, daddies in here? Anybody remember when your baby came out? You, your sister's like, what, what kind of dumb question is that? <laughs> the first time we had a child, I passed out. True story. True story. The baby came out and I went. They had to catch me. I'm in the floor, all Devin's up here screaming like Darth Vader. Rawr, rawr, rawr. I'm laying in the floor. Oh, Shandarabasai, help me, Jesus. When our baby come out of the womb, the first thing that all of them did was scream. Oh! And we wonder why sometimes people get saved and they get so happy and folk that have been saved 30 years sitting up there like, what time are we going to get out of here? You forgot what it was like, Jack, to be born again. But I'm going to tell you right now, when you remember what he brought you out of and when you remember what he delivered you from, you will open up your mouth and you will say words like, Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. I'm just thankful that I've been delivered. Who is an overcomer? Who is an overcomer? The one who was born of God. Your daddy is an overcomer. My daddy had come to second service, but my dad is, uh, he's a big guy, wide shoulders, gray hair. You look at me and my dad, I look like my daddy. In my spiritual life, I need to look like my daddy. And let me help all of you understand something. Oh, I feel this thing. Your daddy is not all slumped over. Your spiritual daddy is not all slumped over. Talking about, oh, I need a Prozac. The devil did something else today I wasn't aware of. Nope, not Abba, not Yahweh. Jehovah is not sitting on the throne in some far removed corner of a universe panicking over what's happening with the Democrats and the Republicans and the nations of the earth. In fact, your Bible said in Psalm 2, when the kings of the world conspire against the anointed one, Abba sits on the throne and laughs at it all because at the old at the end of the day, I know how this is going to end. We are going to win. I shall wear a robe. And hallelujah. Slap your neighbor. I'm trying not to get to the end of this thing. But slap somebody near you. Tell them, baby, I know how this is going to end. Oh, my God. Don't be confused about it. Don't lose sleep over it. I know how this is going to end. We shall wear a robe and a crown. Hallelujah. 
You're an overcomer. This is not positive confession. When you got born again, you got the genes of an overcomer. John 16, 33. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And then John, the same writer, takes that truth that Jesus says. And in 1 John 2, he says, you have overcome them for greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. That means my daddy can whoop your daddy. I'm a teddy bear. I don't fight. If I had to, I could. You put me in a corner, I will. I've only been in two scuffles in my whole life. One was with my best friend. He started talking trash about my mama. That's a true story. Before the Lord, it's a true story. He was my best friend. Started talking trash about my mama. I said, man, this, this can't go down like this today. It ain't worth it. Don't let the devil get you killed. <laughs> and he kept on talking trash. And we were, in, we were in my friend's house, and for some foolish reason, he had popped the tent up in his living room. We got in a fight in a tent. <laughs> I ripped the tent apart. The boy's mama come downstairs, what's going on? Kevin, get home. Oh, God, I'm going to be in trouble for days. What you getting in a fight for, mama? He was talking about you. There are some things that bring out the fight in all of us. And the overcomer is a person. Watch this. When you get born of God, you don't ever quit. What is up with this thing happening in the church? Y'all, can we take a time out? All these people getting saved, and some of them been saved 20 years, talking about, I got hurt in the church. And I can't go back to church. And I don't know if I can ever go back to church. Because people in the church. I'm not trying to minimize your pain. But you have forgotten how to magnify him. You are letting what somebody unsanctified. Don't get hurt. Overcomers don't quit. There's a seed down in that. There's a regening that happened. It's an attitude of an overcomer. But watch this. Not only does he tell us who an overcomer is, he tells us what it is we're overcoming. He said that, watch, don't miss it. He said that those who are born of God overcome. And what are they overcoming? They are overcoming the world. Don't miss this. Everybody say the world. Say the world. The cosmos, that's what the word world is in the Greek. It's cosmos, and it's such a broad word. But what it means in this context is that this planet and this world is a system under the spell of Satan. Now, I know the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and he owns it all. But I want you to also understand that Satan is a roaming lion 
Paul called him the prince of the power of the air. While he is not granted total authority, he has some delegated ability to torment, to afflict, to deceive, to try to bring people into fear, to blind. Satan is at work in all those ways and you and I, although we have been born again, are in a hostile environment. Brother Wallace, why you got to be so discouraging? I'm not trying to be. I'm trying to help you make sense of why you're going through what you're going through. Because we tell people, you get saved and everything gets better. And it's peanut butter and jelly after you get saved. And it's all easy. And here's the reality of it. You don't even stir the enemy up till you get saved. Jesus said, they hated me. And if they hated the master... They're going to hate the sons too. Now you have some people in your life that are what I would call neutral. They don't get bent out of shape that you go to church. They don't get bent out of shape that you love God. They don't get bent out of shape that you talk about Jesus. They just listen to you and put up with you. Anybody got some friends that put up with you? But how many know you got some people, they don't like you. Oh, y'all ain't have never had no haters, have you? Y'all looking at me like you ain't got no haters. Well, just hang on. It's coming. Everybody's got a hater. And your haters are not tongue-talking people that go down to the local church. Haters are people who don't love Jesus. They don't love God. They are being manipulated, controlled, and they are operating under a spirit of deception. Paul called it in Ephesians, the spirit of disobedience, the, the spirit of lawlessness, which now works in the children of disobedience. There are people all over this planet who hate the God in you. Principalities don't like who you've become now that you are in Christ. Because all your life you were running with the devil and his crowd and then somewhere you got born again and whoop, there it is. I'm turning around and I'm going to follow Jesus. And then you start working against the flow. It's called the world. When I was growing up, whoo, if I had a dime for every, for every sermon I heard on worldliness. Y'all didn't have none of these sermons, I can tell. Every Sunday, don't let the world get in you. Worldly, don't become worldly because if you become worldly, you get trapped in worldliness. I didn't even know what the world was, but I was like, man, I don't want nothing to do with that. Worldliness was, you know, for us, really, I'm serious, and I mean this, but worldliness for us, when I went to Lee University in 1997, I played basketball in blue jeans. Why are you laughing, mama? <laughs> we played basketball in blue jeans. I went to play basketball the first day at Lee University. I ran home. I told my mama, everybody's going to hell. She said, why? I said, they're all wearing shorts. Oh, God! <laughs> True story. We went to the beach. We went to the beach in blue jeans. <laughs> were you holy? No, we were hot and ugly. <laughs> True. Worldly, worldly. See, here's the thing. We thought worldliness, and there is something about attire 
let, let me just be old-fashioned for a minute. At some point now, you do got to get that you do got to get that situation settled in your heart that if you're dressing to attract men, now I ain't got nothing wrong. Listen, listen, we got to be real careful. I'm not trying to get legalistic, but I'm going to tell you right now, people who attempt to be promiscuous don't have the heart of God. Amen. Don't, you don't have to shout me down, but I'm going to tell the truth in here today. Sometimes we, we talk about how we don't want legalism and in the past that pendulum swung to a movement of extreme legalism and many of us who were touched by that hate it. But that pendulum has picked up momentum and now we're moving into extreme lawlessness. And nobody has any morals and nobody has any do's and don'ts and everything is subjective and there are no absolute right and wrong and I'm telling you, you better watch your soul. World, the world is a system. It is a system, watch this, that is anti-God and tries to pull you into a philosophy and into a value system that is antagonistic toward the things of God for your life. That's what the world is. The world is Mankind and society functioning without God as its leader. It is first and foremost a way of thinking about life that is contrary to a biblical viewpoint. The world is godless. It is humanistic. It is presented to us through John as something that ignores God and is, watch, it is a system that Satan offers as a buffet which makes available something different for everyone who rejects God, whether he or she is moral or immoral, religious or irreligious, educated or simple, rich or poor. The world simply wants to offer you something to satisfy you rather than you finding God as your satisfaction. And the only way to overcome the world is to put your faith in God. How many ever seen Lord of the Rings? I had to watch it like seven times to understand it. I almost gave up when my 15-year-old was trying to explain to me the imagery. I'm like, I ain't getting this. People preaching sermons on it and stuff, and I'm like, I don't get it. But I started understanding that little ring, all that power, all that authority, that pull. That's why this same writer, John, would say, watch this. He said, love not the world, neither the things that are in, this is First John, love not the world, the world system separated from God. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Watch. For the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God shall abide forever. For all that is in the world. Watch. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Lust 
lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. The devil's triangle. How many ever heard a story about the devil's triangle? And I, I'm growing up and I was growing up and we watched a documentary on the Bermuda Triangle. The devil's triangle. How ships and planes would enter into the devil's triangle. I was watching this on NBC one Sunday night. Never forget it as a little boy. And then the first time we went to the beach in blue jeans. I wouldn't get out in the ocean because I didn't know where the devil's triangle was. If I get out there deep enough, they're not going to be able to find me, Mother Carter. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been by or through the devil's triangle, and if you came out, praise the Lord, but there is a real devil's triangle. It's a spiritual devil's triangle. It's called the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And many people have gone into that triangle, and they've lost the ability to find themselves. And they're lost, and they're just circling around. And nobody knows where they went. They're just in the devil's triangle. It's what happened to Eve. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eye. Pride of life. We are raising a church that does not believe in personal discipline. I didn't get no help. I got people looking for their belongings in a back door right now. We are raising a church generation that does not believe it should have to discipline itself. I want to tell you what Jesus said and remind you that the way of life means that there's going to have to be personal ambition that dies and personal lust that you crucify. If you do not mortify the deeds of your flesh, you cannot have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. This is heavy. But when we live lawlessly, And we let the world creep in. Oh, family, it's like a cancer that robs our joy. Well, Brother Wallace, you sound old-fashioned and legalistic. No, that's the problem. You can't preach grace big enough. You can't preach grace deep enough. You can't preach grace high enough. Where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. But grace is not a license to do what you want, get away with it, and ease your conscience when you feel the least bit of guilt. That is not grace. Grace, the Bible said in Titus chapter 2, teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. There is something in this world that wants to pull you back into what Christ brought you out of. And I'm going to tell you this. That system of the world, you must be cautious in entering into an affair with it. Because James reminds us that to have an affection for this world is to be unloyal to Christ. Mm. Now, I want to make sure we understand something. Because one of the great dichotomies in this entire message is while John says the world is an enemy, 
the system of the world is an enemy. By the same token, God so loved the world. Oh, isn't this beautiful? Isn't this beautiful? Because what you have to do is refuse to become worldly but not hate the world. And by the world, I mean the people in the world. Can you be holy and love people? Because I'm going to tell you right now, legalism and religion, will make, it'll make you look holy, but you'll be hateful. Y'all don't have to say amen. I'm the, I ain't never in my life seen people... Some, some people who claim holiness and they all, they're all righteously indignant about everything, hateful all the time. You, you can't be holy and hateful. It, it goes like this. Why would God put his children in something dangerous like the world? For the same reason we let our children get in the ocean because the water feels good and it's beautiful. But you just don't run out there in the middle of all the deep end of it and get lost. You, you've got to understand that God put you in the world to change it. And to change it, watch, by loving it. You are supposed to transform the world the world is not supposed to transform you. It is exactly why Paul said in Romans 12, I beseech you, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You, we said it like this growing up. We are in the world, but not of the world. And this notion in the church that we're going to see how worldly we can become so that we can help relate to sinners. They don't want friends. Listen, they, they've got plenty of friends who relate to their, their, their evil ways. They need some friends who have a righteous light shining in the midst of their darkness. What attracts sinners to us should be the love of God exuded through us rather than the foolishness in our life that is existing in theirs. This is heavy today. The world. Be careful that you don't let the world creep in and callous your soul, make you think you can live without God. Who is an overcomer? The one born of God. What are we overcoming? We are overcoming the world system. How are we overcoming? Last point. John tells us how to overcome. This is how we overcome. Ready? By believing in Christ. <laughs> Some people are like... And that's it. Believing in Christ. 
Paul said, or John said, watch this. If you keep on trusting Jesus, that faith in Christ is going to help you overcome till the end. Now, he would go on later to expound on what it means to believe in Christ. It's found in the book of Revelation, and the Bible said that Satan, the dragon, was cast to the earth. And when he come to the earth, the Bible said in the book of Revelation, heaven got happy, but woe to the earth, for now you have become the habitation of the dragon. And the Bible said in the next verse, and how did they overcome him? They overcame the dragon by the blood of the Lamb. I'm getting ready to go change my clothes for second service. But before I do, I want to remind somebody who feels like it's old-fashioned. You might even think it's outdated, but there's still power in the blood of the Lamb. The Bible said, the Bible said that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Woo! When I got to thinking about this thing, I got to thinking about the Day of Atonement. I started studying this this past week, and I found out that there was one day out of the entire year that the rabbis believed Satan could not accuse the people of God. Every other day of the year, Satan walked into the presence of God and accused me and Jonna and Jim and Justin and Pat and Mother Carter and everybody else in here. He accused us of sinful deeds. He accused us of sinful thoughts. He accused us of sinful habits. He accused us of sinful attitudes. And the, and the rabbis teach that there was one day out of the year that he could not accuse us before God. Do you know what day that was? It's called Yom Kippur, the day of atonement and on that day the Bible teaches us in the Old Testament that the high priest Aaron he would put on the royal garb he would take a, a bull and sacrifice it for his own sin and then he got two goats he got he got two animals and he took the, the blood of one and sacrificed it in the holy place and when he did it atoned for the sins of the whole people he took the other goat he laid the sin of the people on it and it him out into the wilderness and that's why it's called a scapegoat to this day that goat bore the sins of an entire nation and took them into a place where those sins could never be found again it was the only day of the year when man men and women of God were not accused before the father but I got news for you 2,000 years ago the lamb the final lamb, the lamb of God, the perfect, sinless, spotless lamb who was searched, who, who they looked him over, they tried to find fault in him, but Pilate said, we can't find any fault in this lamb. I'll tell you why. He was the father's lamb. He was spotless, without blemish, and was perfect. And on that day, he became, watch, the propitiation and the expiation of our sin. What in the world does that mean? That means when he died, not only was he that, that goat that took the sin uh, and the blood of the goat that covered the sins of the people, but he also became the, the one that they sent out into the wilderness that carried off the sins never to be found again. My sins are not only forgiven, they will never be found again. I want to tell you that today Satan is not standing before God accusing you of how horrible you are. Why? Because the blood God has caused me to overcome. Oh, I'm getting happy. I'm getting too happy. But somebody in here needs to praise the Lord that when the accuser came, he has no case. He cannot find the evidence. If you've got your faith in God, you are forgiven and sins are forgotten. 
Hallelujah. And they overcame the accuser by the blood of the Lamb. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's not some vial of blood. It's not some magic potion. It is the efficacious work that he accomplished when he walked up a hill, died on a cross, dropped his head in the locks of his shoulders, and in John 19 said, it is finished. I want to tell you when he said that, he paid your debt, baby. Every sin debt you ever owed was paid in full. That's why we shout on Sunday. That's why we have joy on Monday. Because when the devil tried to destroy us, the blood came in and the blood caused the death to pass over. Somebody give God some kind of praise in here. Somebody give God some kind of praise in here. I wish you would stop acting like your, your own righteousness bailed you out. Hey, it was the blood that caused me to have the victory. It was the blood that is my victory. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. It was the blood. And then the next thing they did and overcome through, just stand with me. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. The word of their testimony. Testify. Testimonies are verbal in nature. When I was growing up, we went to a small church. When I was growing up, uh, they imposed their own testimonies on the whole congregation. Uninvited. Sister Bates, God rest her precious soul in heaven now. She would take her shoes off. And she would walk down there to the front. And ain't nobody asked her to come. She just walked down there and started doing this. Mr. Pastor, I got to testify. Okay. And we let her, and it always turned into a song. It always turned into a song. And she usually sang, take your shoes off, Moses. You're on holy ground. We don't even know where that came from. She took her shoes off and danced all over that church testifying. And she would testify over things that most of us wouldn't even give God thanks for. She would testify that this week we were able to pay the bills one more week and have some food on the table. And we just want to thank God we had shoes on our feet. And we've got so sophisticated now in church that we got to have bells and whistles and smoke machines and twirling lights. And I'm grateful for all that. But every now and then you've got to just remind yourself of how good God's been to you. And you've got to quit acting like you got all your mess together. And every now and then you've got to let your hair down, let bobby pins fly, throw them high heels off, take your suit coat off, and start bucking a little bit and thanking God that when I had nothing and was going nowhere, there was a God that stepped in. I been born not of the flesh but of the spirit I'm an overcomer anybody an overcomer in here today they overcame him by the blood of the lamb 
the word of their testimony. But we don't ever preach this one. But I got to finish that scripture. Because the thing says, not only did they overcome by the blood and the word of the testimony, but they loved not their lives to death. Which means, even when the sword was raised against their throat, and they were given the opportunity, they would live in this life, all you got to do is deny Jesus. Just deny him. Just say out of your mouth, I recant my faith. If you'll just deny the Lord, we'll let you live. These overcomers, all the way to the finish line. Polycarp, 86 years old. They bring he and his family before the tribunal and they accuse him of the high crime of heresy because he has been teaching and preaching Jesus to his people. And they look at Polycarp and they say, if you will deny the Lord, this was a church father, early church father. They said, if you will deny the Lord, we will let you live. He says to them in response, for 80 and six years, he has been nothing but good to me. How could I deny him now? And he looks at his children in the face of a blazing inferno and says, children, do not cry. Tonight we are going to have dinner with the king. Hallelujah! Where is that in the church? They hurt my feelings. <laughs> Overcomers don't quit. You got the seed of righteousness out in you, you're going to keep pursuing, chasing, and coming after him no matter what kind of hell rises up against you because overcomers don't quit. You are born of God. And because you are born of God, please hear me. Losing is not in your future. It just is not part of what's going to happen in your life. Well, what about all the bad seasons? Listen, overcoming suggests there's something to come over. Anybody that tried to tell you there wouldn't be setbacks and times of trial has not preached to you a holistic gospel. But the issue is not, am I going to go through a temporary battle? The reality is I already have the victory. So today, heads bowed, eyes closed in this place. Play something real quick. If you're in this building today and you're not an overcomer, I want to tell you that no matter what you've come from and come through and come up in and what you've been born to, no matter how dark your past is and how messed up your history may be, Jesus can turn every life in this place around. All you have to do is believe him. Really in your heart, just start believing and claiming him as Lord and Savior of your life. This is the victory 
he or she that has faith in God. And then John, while your heads are bowed and eyes are closed and you're listening to me, John asked the question, who is the person who overcomes except the one that believes Jesus is the Son of God? He's not saying that as if he's looking for the person. What he's really saying is, you can't find a person who's an overcomer that does not believe Jesus is the Son of God. The only way to overcome is to trust Christ as Lord. I know last week was Easter and we, we, we were so thankful for all the people who got born again and saved last week, but I want to give an altar call this morning for somebody who may, may not have been here last Sunday. Someone who would be in this place and say, Pastor Kevin, would you please pray for me because I really need Jesus to save my soul. I want to be born of God. I want to be born of God. Oh, help us today, Lord. If I'm talking to you and you want to be born of the Spirit of God and you want Him to regene you and you want to come to life on the inside, I don't care how good or moral or how bad or immoral, how religious or irreligious, rich, poor, young, old, smart, intelligent, simple, uneducated, it doesn't matter. If you need Jesus to save you today, when I count to three, lift your hand. Up in the air and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to get born again today. One, two, three. Lift your hand right now. Anybody in this room right now. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. God bless you, ma'am. I see that hand. You can put your hand down. Thank you. I want you to help me this morning. Would you help me? This is how we do it in this house. There's a person standing on your left and right. You may have known them your whole life. You may have never met them before you came into church today. But I want you to look over and ask them in just a moment, do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you? And if you lifted your hand or you know in your heart you should have lifted your hand, when that neighbor asks you that question, would you just nod your head, yes, I'm going to stand right here and wait on you, and we're going to pray today for Jesus to save everybody who needs salvation. Right now, ask the person on your left and right, please. Do you need someone to go to the altar with you? If you lifted your hand... Would you come stand with me right now? I don't come get people. I'm not going to come get you. But I love you enough to tell you it only takes one step and he'll save you. Come on, anybody at all. Would you reach across the aisle because the persons that lifted their hand, I'm just watching. No one's even asked them yet if they need to come. They feel alone, but they're not alone, and I want them to know they're not alone. Reach over one more time. Cross an aisle for me. Come on, cross an aisle. Say, do you need someone to go pray with you? I'll pray with you. Anybody at all? Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming, sir. God bless you. Thank you for coming, sir. God bless you. Come on, y'all. Angels get happy over one. There are two or three or four coming. Come on, buddy. Thank you for coming, pal. Thank you for coming. Come on, they're still coming. Pastors, come help me pray. Prayer team, come help me pray. Would you stretch your hands toward them right now and just pray a faith-filled prayer for God to give them grace and strength as they accept Christ as Lord. Pray over them for just a few moments. Would you do that right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving them, God. Give them grace, Lord, today. I pray in the name of the Lord that you will meet every need in their heart. They confess their sins. I'm grateful, God, you're cleansing them today. Give them multiplied grace. Give them spiritual peace. May the power of the Holy Spirit come upon them now, God, in the name of Jesus. 
I want to pray today before we leave for people in this room who would say, Pastor Kevin, would you pray for me? I feel the tug and the pull of the world. And I just need some strength to be that overcomer Christ has created me to be. This isn't for everybody, but it's for somebody. If that's you, would you lift your hand this morning in this sanctuary? No shame, no shame. I just need some strength this morning to be that overcomer Christ has created me to be. If that's you, I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. Why don't we pray for one another today? Pray for the strength of God to come upon these brothers and sisters. Just reach over and lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for the strength that you give to your people. Some of my brothers and sisters this morning, Lord, lifted their hand and they indicated with that lifted hand, God bless you, sweetheart. Some of my brothers and sisters, Lord, this morning lifted their hand, indicated they need strength and they need grace. Some of them are in a fight. It's a tug of war with the spirit of this age. But I thank you, Lord, that you're going to win. They're going to overcome the conqueror, Jesus Christ. You live within us, Lord. And I pray that the victory you wrought in the world would just begin to manifest in our lives. Lord, I thank you that you're helping us to overcome lusts, overcome habits, overcome sins, overcome weaknesses. God, we run to you today. And we thank you for the strength of the Spirit of God that you give when we call on your name. Bless your people, I ask today, in the mighty name of Jesus. Now just lift your hands and begin to thank him that you're, a, you're an overcomer. Come on, just thank him. Lift your hands. Come on, let's lift our hands up to him. Thank you for victory today, God. Can you just out of your mouth begin to testify before we go home? Thank you for victory today, God. Thank you that you've made us more than a conqueror. We're overcomers in you today. Let it manifest. Lord, let it just materialize in us, Lord, this whole thing of victory. And I pray for somebody whose faith is shaken and they feel weak and they feel like maybe giving up is an option. Remind them, God, overcomers don't quit. They're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, and I declare it over them today in Jesus' precious name. And let's give him the best praise we give him all day long right now. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I'm going to ask you to, when you exit, exit through the two side doors. Behind this curtain, there's a set of exit doors. Behind those, oh, right over there are some exit doors. We have a whole crew coming in the lobby, so the lobby is full. If you would do us a favor and go out the two side doors, it would be so helpful. We love you. And listen, we'll see you Wednesday night right here at 7 p.m. for midweek worship and word. Don't. Oh, listen, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. If you're leaving, if you're leaving, hold up. I want everyone that can to get an offering right now. For camp. How many were blessed by Campus Choir today? Listen to me. I know it's going to take a minute. I completely forgot, but we got time to do this. They're going on a trip, a mission trip to Indonesia in a few weeks. And they need a significant amount of money to get there. I'm going to ask you and your family to come and give an offering to Campus Choir today. Make the, check, church, the, pay, the checks payable to the church. We'll write them one big check. If you can give an offering, give it through text. Give it through our app. You can just put Campus Choir, uh, and we'll make sure they get it. Or give it in the offering receiver today before you leave. We love you. Go in the peace of the Lord. We will see you this Wednesday night at 7 p.m. God bless.